0: And so for months, I told the doctors, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling when I'm doing ABC. This piece of paper, like, I could not lift this and move it without my chest hurting. You know, that just, for me, raised a red flag. And I was like, OK, this is not, I'm not crazy. Like, there is a stabbing pain.
1: Welcome to Imperfect Heart, a place for you to join me, Jeff Holden, in conversations, discussions, and dialogue about our hearts and the impact myocardial bridges have on them. We'll talk with healthcare professionals, those in related fields that support our condition, and others just like us with stories of their myocardial bridge experiences. It's my intention for this content to inform, educate, entertain, and even motivate or inspire you in your personal journey on dealing with a myocardial bridge. Most importantly is to have you leave each episode with hope, knowing you're not alone and that what you're experiencing is real. Welcome back to Amanda's story where we'll finish the unbelievable road to surgery and she explains what has now occurred that took everyone a little bit by surprise. Now we're with Dr. Wong in April of 2022. Yes. So just a little over a year ago.
0: Yep. And I had started keeping track of what I now know is a vasospasm. And so I would, when I would get the deep ones, I mean, I constantly had them like little ones Mm -hmm. constantly throughout the day. So that became my new normal. And I was like, well, this is just my life now. But the big ones were the ones that would concern me. So when it would really feel like someone was stabbing into my heart, They would come in pairs of twos or threes, and then I would count how long. So they would last anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute. Well, this one day in April, I had six, almost seven in a row, and I knew, and I started to freak out. And I remember that was the day I went to the emergency room again. And so my body, it was telling me, like, we're not doing good, Mm -hmm. you know. like. And so luckily I found— trying to get your attention. Mm Mm-hmm and luckily like I found this group I call them angels like there's nothing else to describe them but Christy and P.G. Wong like they're amazing and they are saving lives they deserve a lot of credit them and Dr. Nazaroff I owe them my life because they Mm -hmm. saved me yeah so they bring us in and they tell us all the risks about the surgery that they hadn't done it before and that Stanford had decided that they were going to keep me local because at the point I meet with this team From the time I had my first heart attack to that point, my symptoms were the most severe symptoms they had seen to date and how rapidly they were increasing and the very real conversation of she has to have surgery. She doesn't have a choice. So P.J. Wong does a second angiogram in June of 2022 and this time he goes through my groin and does a 3D view of the bridge itself Mm -hmm. and how it's functioning. And when I came out and woke up. He put me under fully that time. And I come out and Nazaroff actually had come up to meet with my mom and I because he wanted to meet me and told me that he did not want to do open heart surgery if he absolutely didn't have to, but wanted to know the results from the angiogram. Dr. Wong comes out and he says, was Nazaroff here? I thought I heard him in the building. What did he say to you? If we don't need to do it, then we won't. He said, Amanda, you don't have a choice. I found secondary issues. And so he said, not only is your bridge completely cutting blood flow to your body, and it's quite significant, it's bigger than we thought, you have to have surgery. So, and it was interesting when he showed me the results from the test, and I guess he said he had to reverse one of the tests pretty quickly because I started going to go heart, into heart failure, and he's never had that happen before. So, it, it looked like a tree from Halloween, like all the blood vessels mm-hmm. and arteries on the left side were open and then all pinched off at the same time. So not only was I having a lack of blood flow from the bridge compressing my LAD artery, but I then had these vasospasms that were completely cutting off all blood flow on the left side. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. It was real. And I it was there. And they saw it. And they saw it. So that was, I want to say it was June 16th. And I was scheduled for open heart July 25th of 2022. And at that point, I had to get ready at work. I had to figure all that out. And then I was told to literally do nothing, like rest, absolutely do nothing that would spike the heart and to be very careful, just very careful. Yeah, I had open heart surgery on July 25th of 2022. They performed it at Sutter Sacramento. I had the dream team. So Dr. Nazaroff, I also had his teacher, Dr. Hanley, and from Stanford as well. And I was told that Hanley never comes in unless cases are very complicated. And sometimes he just oversees them. And I got him there that day. And then I had Sutter's pediatric cardiac surgeon as well, Dr. Wantanabe, who is studying under those two. If I remember, I think I was number three for Nazaroff adults for unroofing. And I think they had only done 125 for their medical group at that point. They performed it at Sutter. So,
1: well, congratulations on Thank getting you. it done because you stayed persistent, mm-hmm. you knew, and you self advocated. You did not let up until Mm-mm. you finally got somebody to acknowledge what it was. Yep. And if there's one thing that we can do with the program is get people to understand if you feel that you're getting an improper diagnosis, and we know from the Facebook page that so many people identify the same way. Symptomatically, Mm -hmm. different situations that cause it, but symptomatically, something's wrong. Right. And keep going until you can get somebody to properly diagnose.
0: Yeah. And even still, you know, I I think my parents and I, we've been pretty upset, I'll be honest, knowing that this adult congenital heart defect team was on the seventh floor at Sutter Sacramento this whole time. Mm -hmm. And no one, no one told us about it. No one referred me.
1: And there are cardiologists who have even seen and experienced people with the bridges, knowing the bridge is symptomatic, Mm -hmm. who still will dismiss it. Yep. Just, that's an unusual case, Mm -hmm. as opposed to supporting the individual that's telling you all these symptoms look the same as the other person. The Mm -hmm. things that I'm telling you are the same as the other person. I'm not that different. No.
0: Yeah, you know, I just, my hope, I guess, for the future would be that there is protocol once these bridges are diagnosed for Mm -hmm. a patient, whether or not they end up getting surgery, because I know not everyone does need surgery with them. But I would hope that at some point there is a protocol that gets put in place once the diagnosis is there, because just all the chaos that I know I went through and now hearing other people's stories, just the amount of gaslighting and the dismissal. And Mm -hmm. if a protocol was put in place, just think about how many of us might have not had to deal with these symptoms as long, or people who actually died from these heart defects, maybe they wouldn't have died.
1: Or people who are going years. 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 Yep. There are people that we've spoken with three or four or five years is a long time, but there's some since high school, they're now adults, 40, 50, 60 years old, Mm -hmm. because nobody back then knew anything about this. And now that we're becoming more aware, Mm -hmm. I think the pendulum is swinging and there's an understanding that about 40 to 50% of the cardiologists now recognize these as symptomatic mm-hmm. but that's still half yeah there's don't. still
0: there's still more and that's where i really appreciate my cardiologist dr wong he thinks outside of the box and i really appreciate that about him he just he loves rare things and he loves to study them and we call him the brains of you know the whole thing and Nazaroff is like the hands and mm-hmm. so i wish more medical professionals had the ability to think outside the box because reality is as if I wouldn't have told my story to my friends who knew a doctor, who knew a doctor, I don't know if I'd be here today.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the reality.
1: Let me ask you a question now because we're going to get to the post-surgery. Yes. Which for everybody is different. Mm -hmm. In your particular case, we're not quite a year
0: no, I'm actually I hit eleven months yesterday, okay, so yep. what what
1: was your actual date in july
0: the twenty fifth my second birthday now, yeah,' cause it's the day I got a second chance to live. I totally agree so, with you, yep,
1: and I feel the same way mm-hmm. so post surgery almost almost a year, eleven months out, yeah. how is the heart?
0: Well, she's better. <laughs> It's really funny. I had nicknamed her Samantha from the movie Just Friends, Samantha James. But she's like this crazy rock star and like everyone loved her and hated her. And that's how I felt about my heart. So I nicknamed her Samantha. <laughs> I had to find a lot of humor, honestly, to get through all of this. So I apologize if my jokes are a little corny. I think
1: we all do. <laughs> we, we have to. Yeah. It's almost impossible. Right. You will you know, lead yourself down a very dark path if you don't.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think all of us who have gone through open heart surgery, whether or not it was the myocardial bridge or whatever else got them there, there is there is a dark place, I think, before and after surgery, because life is now different from what you knew it as originally. But the heart, she's improved. She's not 100%. I will say that I can't go without medication, which, you know, the hopes was is that With the unroofing surgery that I'd eventually be able to just go off a medication. And we tried it. I'm on my sixth medication now since surgery. But unfortunately, without medication, I still get the vasospasms. What has changed is my endurance is increasing. I'm not laboring for air anymore. So I'm back to my normal self with that. I'm not blacking out anymore, which is amazing. So there has been progress since surgery. Definitely... And you know yeah. those
1: those vasospasms, endothelial dysfunction, yes. do heal, and it could take a couple of years. Yes. So you know once that artery's been constricted for so long, and it is constantly being squeezed. It's pretty irritated. Yeah. And over time, it tends to heal itself back up once it's been unroofed. So you may still have. Right. You know a progression of improvement.
0: They hope the answer to that. Anytime I ask Dr. Wong is, you know, what does that look like? He says, I can't tell you. I can't predict the future. We just, we track it. That's what we're doing right now. We're just tracking it. So she's improving for sure. I definitely, like, I'm proud of her. (laughs) She's gone through a lot. Yes, she has. She's Um, been cut. (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: And so now Mm post-surgery, sternotomy, Mm -hmm. and it's not all perfect.
0: It's not perfect.
1: Heart's much better, but there's still another issue.
0: Yeah, so... You know, it's interesting. Recovery is a very interesting thing, I think, after open heart. And, you know, everyone's so different. I, I think it's amazing that you're back to physical activity and other people too. I'm just not quite there yet. So cardiac rehab. I finished my thirty-sixth session this week on Wednesday. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And I've had a very difficult time there. My heart really it some days it's okay, some days it's not. It really just depends on the day and how my heart is feeling. So I'm definitely not back to any kind of running or like hardcore physical workouts. I can walk. And as of recently, I've been allowed to go to the gym and try to do lower body. And I tried the stair mill for the first time this last month and I got my heart rate up to 160 and it didn't hurt. And so that was really interesting. So right now I get to play with it, but I also have to journal anytime I have a vasospasm at what heart rate and what I was Mm -hmm. doing. So I've noticed that with cardio, as long as it's a gradual increase, I don't feel the chest pain. But if I do like squats or any other kind of actual workout, the the vasospasms hurt and they occur when I mean, at a much lower heart rate, too. I think right now it's all trial and error, but yes, recovery. It's funny when you have your chest ripped open, it hurts. <laughs> I don't I don't recommend it to like many people. Yeah, if you people. Don't need
1: to do that, let's not.
0: Yeah. Everyone always asks, like, how was it? And I'm like, I don't recommend it ever, right. like, never. And so, you know, you have the soreness from that surgery. And so they told me, give it two years. And even into the fifth year, I might still feel things, but two years full recovery. And so that's been the number in my head. And I asked them, well, you know, what will physical activity look like a year? And they said, maybe light yoga by summer. And I was like, okay, cool. So in my head, I've had light yoga by summer. Mm -hmm. And, well, I ended up starting to feel very severe chest pain in my chest wall.
1: Knowing different from the heart. For those of us going through this or who have gone through it, you do recognize the difference. Yes. We certainly know one is a mechanical structural issue. Mm -hmm. And the other one, you know. You just know.
0: Yep. So... I always refer to chest pain as my heart, chest wall as the physical. And so my chest wall pain started on the right-hand side of my sternum, like near my breast muscle. And so I had started to tell my doctors quite early on around, I would say, month four, something feels like it's stabbing, and I'm not sure what it is, but it hurts. And I remember Christmas Eve of 2022, I got stuck in bed and I couldn't get out of bed. Like I had moved my covers and it felt like someone stabbed me in the chest and then I couldn't move. And I got stuck in bed all day. And so I was like, oh gosh, you know, this is bad. It progressively was like that. And I remember I'd be at work because I had to go back to work three months after. In hindsight, I wish I would have taken the full six months but the city didn't allow me that time. I couldn't open doors. I still have a very hard time opening doors with my right arm because it just, it hurts in my chest wall. And so for months I told the doctors, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling when I'm doing ABC. This piece of paper, like I could not lift this and move it without my chest hurting you know that just for me raised a red flag and I was like okay this is not I'm not crazy like there is a stabbing pain. They could not run any more tests on me for almost a year after surgery because I had had too much radiation exposure from all the cancer tests that had been done on me the year before. Finally I meet with Nazarov at least three times and finally he's like well we'll do an x-ray. They do an x-ray and I forget what month it was I want to say it was around like month eight after surgery and all the wires are in place so he believes it's inflammation because the wires looked perfect there was nothing poking finally we're getting closer to this year mark and finally around month nine i'm like i can't do this anymore so my nurse practitioner christy said we can't keep messing with this let's get her in for a ct so they get me in for the ct and i find out at my 10-month appointment last month that I have non-union in my sternum at the top. It's the part of the bone that looks like a diamond. Mm -hmm. And that is not connected. I do feel pain up in the top area of my chest, but then it turns out two of the wires are potentially rubbing up against a nerve. And that's the stabbing pain I've been feeling. Right now we're at the point of trying to figure out what the best option of correction is going to be. I've spoken with Nazaroff, and he's okay with removing wire. But in his opinion, to redo a whole sternum to get it to close is excessive. And I agree with him. I do think it's excessive. But there's no plan A or B if sternum didn't close because it so rarely happens. So right now I'm waiting for a second opinion to see what else, if there's any other option besides redoing a full sternotomy or just removing wire and leaving as is. That's where I'm at right now.
1: What a journey.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: I don't think anybody I've spoken with, I know there's nobody I've spoken with that's had so many ebbs and flows
0: mm-hmm. of
1: situations. And then when you think you're done, you're not just quite done mm-hmm. because there's still a, a piece yeah. not complete. And you know, we've seen other situations where people have had sternum issues, mm-hmm. but not with all the other complications that you've had.
0: Yeah. And so, like I said, everyone's case is so different. This is just mine. I felt bad when I spoke with Dr. Wong at the 10-month appointment. He he was devastated. He was hoping I would have a better quality of life after surgery. And he, early on when I first started to tell them about pains, you know, he said, my hope for you was that we give you quality of life back so you could live your life. He said, I just hope we didn't trade one for the other, right? Mm-hmm. Like we fixed one but now caused another. He was sad to see that this happened. And I remember I had already cried prior to him coming into the room. I cried with the nurse. She's really sweet. And I told him, I said, look, you guys knew the day I walked into your office, I was a wild card. Without you guys, I don't even know if I'd be here. So positive thing is you guys saved my life. Yes, Without the heart. Yep. We're not having this conversation. You're not here. Yeah.
1: Sternum, (laughs) man, we can figure this out.
0: Exactly. So I told him, I said, you know, I believe I'm on the slow train to success, and that's what I'm going to just continue thinking. And so my recovery is just going to be a little bit longer than most, and it's okay because this is just structural. He was like, I like that, Amanda. Slow, no, that's a, and that's slow su- train it's to a success. a beautiful
1: attitude to have.
0: Yeah. I, and, and recently I've been saying, this is how I know I'm not a superhero or superhuman because I'm still human and like my body's is still just recovering like a human. So, in case you got confused, it's yeah. just it's just a reminder. Yeah,
1: you you are human.
0: Yeah, you know, for whatever reason, in my head, I thought, you know, after surgery, I well before I thought I was a really professional athlete, right? I was like, but man, you know, if my heart would have been perfect all this time, I really would have gone to the Olympics, yeah. doing something. And I'm like, you know what, surgery is going to allow me to do that. And well, reality is, is that's not ever going to happen. And I am human. So I'm just going with the flow at this point right now.
1: So the expectation now is we're going to wait and see what's going to happen with the sternum.
0: The goal now is hopefully light yoga by next summer. It's been a long journey, but I'm glad I'm here. And hopefully my story helps someone somewhere. I'm glad you're
1: here. And I'm sure there's a lot more people besides me that are happy you're here too. Thank you. And with a long life in front of you that you don't have to sweat, am I going to have a heart attack tomorrow?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think mindset, I'm still working through not thinking that way anymore. You have to have a will to live. I knew like my mom and dad couldn't live without me. They were my, my reason. When you get down to the basics, right? Like what do you live for? It's funny. My, my nurse practitioner, Christy, she says, you've been given this beautiful gift. She says, I know it's horrible and how you got here. She's like, but now you have this gift. Now go spread it to people. Mm -hmm. And that was a really sentimental moment between her and I, and I I appreciated it. And like you said, the heart, as long as the heart gets fixed, you can make it through surgery. Anyone can get through this. It's a short amount of time. And now even at 11 months post-op, I'm like, wow, like I did this like almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I'd be here today. It's not an easy recovery, but everyone's bodies are so different. Some people bounce back pretty quickly, others, Maybe you're a little delayed like me, but I would do it again Mm -hmm. in order to get a second chance. For me, I've always wanted to be a mom. And I think for anyone out there who wants to be a parent, you know, and is going through this, there is hope. You just have to get to the point of getting the fix because the heart is so delicate. And so where I thought my life was over, there's now this possibility of hope. So I have my eyes on the future. Just
1: not only your life, but another life.
0: Another life. Recovery still, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my sternum. That's number one. And then once that's corrected, however, it gets corrected, Mm -hmm. then I could fully start immersing myself into that next part of life. So, whatever that looks like for me. Good for you. Thank you.
1: Well, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm not necessarily looking forward to getting pulled over by you at some point as a law enforcement (laughs) officer.
0: I won't be an officer at this point. Turns out, with everything I went through, that's okay. It's probably just not in my future. I work with the community. I do crime prevention. I help with Neighborhood Watch. I teach to schools and kids, and I do a lot of our outreach. So I'm doing, I like to call it God's work.
1: <laughs> so are you still involved with the law enforcement? Yeah. You are? Okay, so, yeah, so it, it I just, still you, work You be an officer pulling me over. Nope. I still think that's fabulous. Thank you. Oh, had you not going through that Sweet 16. Yeah, you may not have discovered the bridge exactly in time.
0: In time, I don't think I was meant to be a police officer, and that's okay. But I was meant to be in that place, and everything happens for a reason. Yep. So,
1: so I totally agree. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your story. <laughs> thank
0: you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Imperfect Heart. It's my hope that this information helped in some way to improve your situation, or will help you better understand this condition. More importantly that it gives you hope through stories that there is help and you most certainly are not alone. If you've been diagnosed with a myocardial bridge, please be sure to join the private Facebook group, Myocardial Bridge Support Group. For more information about our program or to reach me directly, visit the website, MyImperfectHeart.com. If you like what you heard today, please give a positive review, thumbs up, high five, or whatever your app likes. And be sure to share with everyone important to you so they understand what it is you're dealing with. Please subscribe as well. Welcome each day with gratitude and positivity. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the host and the guest and are not intended to provide, nor are they a suitable substitute for professional care by a doctor, therapist, mental health professional, or other qualified medical professional. Imperfect Heart is a production of Hear Me Now Studio.